You're listening to 101.9 FM, KPCRLP, Santa Cruz. Tony Duchesne here, and welcome to Drinks with Tony. So you've heard me announce that I teach a free creative writing workshop and at the Los Feliz Public Library. The next one is on April 3rd. But this week, I have a recording of part of a workshop that I did that last month. Now, the audio isn't fantastic, but maybe if someone tunes in halfway through, they'll automatically think it's a very important lecture because it'll sound like an old Alan Watts type of tape. And we won't tell them it's me until the end. Now, I haven't recorded my library workshops before, and I've done like 60 plus over the years, which is exactly what I usually do. I forget to record. And I have this really weird thing about making anything precious, like whether it's a book release or standing in a, or standing in a room in front of 20 people and doing a lecture. I have to really keep it unprecious. And then when I record it, it feels precious. So this time I kind of tricked my brain and just, oops, I threw the recorder in my bag the night before. Then I got there and I was like, oops, this is here and just turned it on and like put it in a corner. Anyway, so to stay in the format of the show, I guess I need to say, hi, I'm Tony Duchesne, and you're listening to Drinks with Tony. Get on the Drinks with Tony show. Yeah. Um, he is the screenwriter of the film Confessions of a Teenage Jesus Jerk, which you can catch on Amazon. He adapted that screenplay from his own novel, the same title, and he teaches at UCLA. Please welcome, Tony Duchesne. Oh, thanks, thanks. Matthew, everyone. Our librarian. The coolest job in the world. Thank you. Um, oh, this is for my email. It's uh, going to start Sunday. Uh, voice, voicemail, uh, writing, career, anything. So if you want to join that and you haven't put it on here yet, feel free to raise your hand. Or just what does that mean? So I, mean, I was telling him, um, I was talking about my astrologer. We live in LA, right? <laughs> and she does these weekly uh, like voicemail things that are really cool. And like, and I was just like, yeah, that talks about the week coming up and how Saturn's in Pisces now and how we can all feelings and uh, how we can deal with those feelings. And I'm like, why don't I do something where I just do a free writing exercise and a little bit of literary ukulele? Uh, People. So if you want to be on that email list, this is the thing. And if you don't, that's fine too. So that's writing-related, correct? Yes. <laughs> you mentioned astrology, so that's why I was clarifying. Oh, yeah, no, no. This is because my astrology. Yeah. Now, if it was astrology, you wouldn't do it. Did your astrologer say you need to start? No, no. She said to stop teaching at the library, <laughs> which I was just like, yeah, you mind. This is like my best day of the month. Which brings up where will it be held? What's that? Where, where will it be held? Oh, this would just be you would get a uh, you would get an audio message. So oh, it'd be like a little podcast oh, or just so a small group of people about a specific writing workshop. Um, and like what we do in class, a free writing prompt. Oh, it would be a writer's prompt. But there won't be any physical gathering. No, I see. You know, you don't have to show up anywhere. You can do this from your bathtub. While well, you're weeping in fetal position, because you're a writer, so that's what we do best. I finished my novel yesterday that I've been working on since 2021. So my life feels empty. I feel like I've done nothing, and that's kind. Of, and that's actually not a joke. Actually, it's pretty much how the game goes. Uh, when we finish something, we're like, ah. and then when it actually comes out. If it comes out, it's like, oh, like balloons for a day, and then that goes zap away. So, um, what's your next step? Do you send it to an editor? Fetal position, weeping. <laughs> um, I sent it to a few friends of mine, and they're going over it now. So now I work on a different book um, to get my head out of these characters that have been way too deep in for too long. And, uh, and someone asked me, someone was like, oh, we have a lucrative ghostwriting position for you for a nonfiction book. And I was like, no, I can't do it. I need to work on my stuff. It's, I can't take a year out of my life. Unless you're paying me like 
PGM payment on a house, and I know you're not. But um, anyway, so that's that's my first thing. I do have an agent, so after that, I'll send it to her. She can go. This is the worst thing I've ever seen in my life, Tony. You're a really nice person, but I don't think we should work together anymore. Or she can go. Yeah, I think I can do something with this. Um, and it's lots of rejection after that. Even if you do have an agent, everyone rejects it, and it's not. It doesn't have anything to do with. Um, whether the work's good or who you are, a lot of the times it's just like, this is great, we love it, but we're not in the market for this right now because as we look at summer of 2024, we are really seeking chimpanzee wrestling stories. Do you have one of those? So, I don't got that, but maybe the world will come back around to Anyway, so that's a bit of the outcome of writing in order to get to the outcome of writing, we have to write. And in order to write, we have to sit down. And I highly recommend writing every day. Writing is an exercise. Writing is like yoga. I stopped doing, I, start, I did yoga for a month and I stopped. And it hurts a little bit right here because I should be doing my stuff, but I'm not. See, look at my balance, it's terrible. So I'm gonna get back into yoga, and I do my writing every day. And I don't miss it. And there are many days, it is the last thing I ever want to do in my life. Especially if I'm working on characters that I've been working on for a year. The last thing I ever want to do is get back to this scene that's driving me crazy. And then you just sit there and you do it. Because it's a gig. Because we got to put our hearts into it. Because it's like being an athlete. Even if you're a baseball player. There are days when you just rather sit down and play video games, but you got 162 games to finish that season, and you just keep showing up. Big smile. So, a lot of it is about the big smile. It's uh, yeah, and that, and so, just to you know, <laughs> I don't know why I'm bursting the bubble of writing. Writing as a practice is actually awesome. It's it. I personally, for me. It's like I was talking to Aaron, it's like a spiritual thing for me. I have to show up to writing every day. I have to go get my mask and get, what do they call the thing, the... Yeah, the thing. The wafer. The wafer, yeah. It's like, I gotta hit that because um, I feel a void when I don't. And I'm a better person to people outside when I'm writing. So I'm doing it for the betterment of humanity so they don't have to deal with a more irritated me. So that's all I've got on that end. Well, so daily writing, very important. 10 minutes a day. Don't do, if you haven't written for a while and you try to do four hours, don't do it. I'm this, this whole last week, my, I'm seeing double right now because I finished the novel yesterday and I thought I was gonna have it done last Friday. And every single night I've been going till like three in the morning until I'm ready to die. And then I'm up the next morning, late morning, going, get back at it. I'm like, it'll get done today. And then everything just always takes longer. And I was just, I was, but the finish line was there. So I've been a, kind of a psychopath trying to hit that, hit the end of it. And to hit the end of it was just glorious. I was just like, oh my God. And I had like two beers. And I was like, oh man, I forgot about this. <laughs> I thought it was a celebration. Um, it didn't feel like celebration. Maybe I should have went out and gotten the beers. Um, so it's about the process. It's about just pro just showing up every day. And a lot of people, especially especially as I'm working right now with my first quarter students in screenwriting, they want to know the structure. What's the structure? How do I do this? How do I do this? How do I write a screenplay? How do I write a book? What is the structure? Give me the outline. Give me the secrets. And there kind of is a little bit of secrets, but there aren't any secrets. The main secret is button chair, write, and that's it. Keep writing and keep reading. Reading is breathing in, writing is breathing out. Janet Fitch says that, and it's perfect because the page is like learning a new language. If you don't have a relationship with the page in front of you, you have to be writing every day, and it's almost like learning French. And you just keep showing up to the cafe and go, 
en baguette, s'il vous plaît. And we're like, oh God, this guy. <laughs> but, it's, but it's just, all of a sudden, you're walking in there, you're like, oh, bon rouge, and bon blanc, and blouse, you know, but it takes months and months and months of constantly almost embarrassing yourself. And I'm great in France. If you ever want to come with me to France, I embarrass the shit out of myself. But I used to know how to say, we are in France, we speak French here. Because everyone would try to speak English to me. Because they're just like, we can't deal with you. And I'm like, we're in France, we speak French here. I used to know how to say that in French. And they would just laugh and go, oh, this guy. But that's putting words on the page. Um, I, I, I had a, every once in a while, a ton of people email me, come out of the woodwork. When I do these, I, I taped this thing for this website called Film Courage, and there was a new episode this week. And so all these like crazy people were sending me their pitches. One guy wanted to work together on something. He wanted to like do a sequel to Back to the Future, but it would be a prequel to what happened before. And I'm just like, block, block, block. But um, <laughs> what was I getting at? And, and this one guy said. I have 150 blog lines. I want to run all these blog lines by you. And I'm just like, I'm not replying to him because that's crazy. And he has that all, that just means he has ideas. And ideas are nothing. Ideas are nothing and they're everything. Ideas need to get on the page though. And when we get our ideas on the page, they look very different. And often they don't look as good as we thought they were in our heads. And that's the fun part because then that's when we take our craft and go, oh, this idea sucks. Now I gotta figure out how to make this happen. And that's, that's what gets me excited is the bad ideas. And you hang on to one bad idea for long enough. And you got a screenplay, you got a novel, you got a short story. How do you know you have a bad idea from a good one? Usually, most, most ideas are bad. Okay. Just assume they're all bad. But what's great is we are all very different. We come from all very different backgrounds. We have our, our fingerprint, just like our fingerprint, of how we approach a story and how we would tell a story. And I've said this before in some workshops where if I gave you all a 60 uh, beat outline for a screenplay, characters, plot, I gave it all out to you, you would all come back with all very unique screenplays. And it would be because you're coming from your experience, you're coming from who you are. And that's what we have in this game. We have ourselves, and we put our truth to the page. And some people try to write for the market, and sometimes they do great, and they get million dollar deals, but their soul lacks. I'm Stephen King, but I'm not. It's just kind of know this. And then sometimes there's people, when, when there's people that are authentic and they're just really writing from their heart, and then they get a million dollar deal, that's, that's beautiful. Some of us get $3,000 deals after, you know, <laughs> it might even be less these days. I'm running three figures on this one. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, the idea, is the, it, the idea is not the important part. It's the execution. It's the working through it. Um, you, and the, as you, and it's always, different on how we enter our stories. Do we enter our story with a character first? Do we enter our story with a plot? Do we enter our story with a setting? It's always different. There's no formula for that. <clears throat> At some point, you have to have a character, you have to have a plot, you have to have a setting. But how you get to that is how you get to it. Um, <clears throat> so, uh, Sometimes I start, I, I don't know how I usually start. I'm more, I just started today. I started working on a setting. And it, the setting was a bougie cafe. And I was just like, okay. And it probably will not make it. If I, if this actually, if I work on this for the next year and a half, the, what I've written today and what I will write for the next month will probably not be anywhere near in what I write if I stay with this. But I could drop this in a second too, so. I'm in my little transition phase. And then you start to build up enough work and you go, oh, wait a second. This is a thing. All right, I gotta put two to three hours a day into it. Or however you find your process, which may be 10 minutes a day. But the daily is important, the daily showing up. <clears throat> you miss a day, when I miss a day, 
I feel like I missed two days. When I missed two days, I feel like I missed five days. Because then I'm going back and I'm reading the last three scenes. And I'm like, wait, where are we at? What's, and I need to be, just. it's just like a marriage. You need to kind of uh, come in, well, I'm divorced, so I suck at marriage. Maybe it's a bad example. But no, it's an all right example. Um, you come in and you kiss your spouse and you go, how was your day? And you go, I want to kill that guy. And she goes, oh, God, I didn't hear this shit again. But that's part of the, the relationship that just keeps plugging along when you wash the dishes together. <clears throat> she throws a dish at you. Uh, you duck, and, but you still stay together. So, and, and relationships with novels are just highly dysfunctional and like nothing you would ever want to have in a real life relationship. So, yes? Um, so it's my first time. What is your name? My name's Tony. Tony. What's your name? Hi, Tony. Hi, It lasts until nine. Oh, yeah, no one can leave. Seven <laughs> thirty. <laughs> okay, seven thirty. Yeah. Um, as you were speaking, can I ask questions, or should I wait? No, go ahead. Ask a question. Intro or whatever. No, I, I don't even know what this is. Okay. Um, so when you said we should do daily writing of at least ten minutes, mm -hmm. like what does that look like? Well, first off, what do you uh, have you have you written before, or is this new to you? I am not a creative person, so I'm trying okay. to work that muscle. Great. That's great. Do you read? Uh, nonfiction, yes. Cool. Then you might write nonfiction. If you like nonfiction. I mean, I, I, <clears throat> I read to learn, not to like. Oh, you don't read for fun? No. Um, like, do you want to write a novel or want to write fiction? No. You don't want to? No, I'm just here to, like I said, exercise my creativity. Oh, okay. I apologize. It will be a it will be a very light exercise. <laughs> <It's okay. laughs> I guess it'll be this. Okay, okay we're done. <laughs> so, like, as someone who like is not creative at all, then you know that's why I'm asking. Like, where do you start? No, I, I think everyone's creative. I think everyone has it in them. I bet you do things during the day, even if you're on the job. That seems analytical. That's pretty creative here and there. We all have that part. What were you asking? What was the first question? Where do you start? Yeah, like what those create. Uh, oh, with the daily writing. Minutes a day looks like. Is it just uh, writing down whatever comes to my mind, or do I pick a topic, or? Well, and that's that's a good question because it could just be journaling, and it could be journaling if you haven't written before, and you're not reading a lot, and you really, if you want to write short stories, if you want to write, if you want to get into fiction, you have to be reading fiction. You just have to you have to have the conversation back and forth. That's the, that's the way to do it. And, um, but for a while, it just made me journal. Maybe yeah, a poem may come out. You'd be like, where did that come from? It's just putting the, putting it on the page. Just, journal, just journaling. Journaling is great. And then at some point, you go, you know what? I want to write about aloe vera plants from the point of view of an aloe vera plant in a garden of <laughs> the owners of me who do not water me enough. And then, that, and that's a terrible idea, sure. <laughs> but it's just, but then that's where something may start to percolate. Yeah. Um, and you were talking about writing novels. How do you write a novel? How do you, if you don't know any, like people write about wars and they weren't really in the wars, how do they get their information to be able to write a novel? Oh, you just watch a movie. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, who's writing about wars that's never been to war? I mean, I don't know, like fiction. Yeah, I think I think fiction. like if I were to write about war, I would need a little bit of war experience. If not from me, then from someone in my family. Um, my I was even thinking about my grandpa Tor today. He was in the middle of Nazi-occupied Norway, and it's just like and his whole life was talking. You know, it was just like he'd sit there with this pipe, and I'd be a nine-year-old kid, and be like. <laughs> So we were in Stavanger, and boom, and I'm just sitting there going, oh, you know, now I would love to hear those stories, but it was just, you know, the guy was very, uh, <laughs> like, I just want to play baseball with kids outside, and I'll listen to World War II stories. <laughs> so, it's best to write what you know, and what you care about. Now, if you care about war, and you want to get a point across, then it's a very great thing to write about war. If we look at things, if we look at Stanley Kubrick, working on Apocalypse Now. Was it Kubrick? 
Did he do Apocalypse now? No, he Coppola. didn't do it. Coppola. 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 So, you know, these are two guys, I don't know if they were around war, but they captured war, and they watched war movies, and they studied the era, and they studied, uh, both of those were Vietnam films. So, you know, um, Apocalypse Now is based on Hearts of, Dar Hearts of Darkness, I think the book is called, which is, I think that book is based on World War One, and they brought it into a Vietnam setting. So there was a point to get across. And the point to get across was bringing a character through a really awful situation, obstacle after obstacle after obstacle, to see the lunacy of war, and to see the lunacy of these characters surrounded by war. So they can write about, you can write about things like that. That's human. But, I mean, we're all scared of war. I don't want to be in a war. So it's, you can come at it from that angle. Yeah. And now, is this, I'm so sorry, one last question. Is this, Oh, it's, uh, I, here's the deal for the regulars. Okay. I just can't talk. And then we do a writing assignment. Yeah. And as far as techniques on how to write, yeah, I'm going to give you a little bit in a minute just about character and plot and uh, make it very simple. And like I said, I think it was last month I discussed uh, how writing is easy, but it's hard. So it's just like, oh, yeah, writing's easy, but you got to put in the time, and that's hard. And so many people are like, I just don't have time to write. And it's like, no, they don't. it's not that. They're avoiding writing. Just like people who ask me to ghostwrite. They're like, oh, I just want this ghostwritten, but I just don't have the time. And I'm like, no, you're hiring someone with 20 years experience that. Oh, OK. Bye, Luna. Do you want me to keep Luna here or no? Um, she might freak out. OK, OK. <laughs> I, me and her daughter have a relationship. Erin? I did not have a question. I was answering yours when you said he writes about war that hasn't been to war. Me. So I write, um, you know that I write romance a little bit? Yeah. But they are all based on um, military. Oh, okay. So for whatever it's worth, I yes. published, but <clears throat> the amount of books that I have read that are autobiographies, um, historical books, romance books, just anything that covers the topic of war, I eventually had to get to a point where I was writing them down and keeping because I couldn't remember if I'd read one or not. And I have multiple books that I purchased two copies of because I couldn't remember. Um, so that's my answer. Watch a lot of movies, read a lot of books. Read yeah, a lot of books. Yeah. I used to, I mean, 20 years ago, I used to write a lot about drugs because I was totally into William Burroughs and the, that whole crew. I never did drugs in my life, but I was writing about drugs because I was like, these guys, I was just absorbing all these guys. and. People probably thought I was a huge drug addict, but I never smoked pot yet, so that's where I was at. So. I also think that well, like write what you know is a great idea in theory, but if that's all anybody wrote, there's a lot right. of books we would miss out on that are really great. Exactly, but at the same time, we write what we know from our perspective in ways like romance and war. Yeah. We're, we're still writing what we know because what we know is our human condition. So. I can talk about this to my uh, screenwriting students. I'm like, you get on a, like, if you end up doing a project for Adam Sandler, and it's just this raunchy comedy, you gotta go in there with your truth. Go in, like, read it, and then find where you have your tragedy in this situation that they want you to rewrite. Where is your tragedy? And come at it that way. And then it just comes back as funny to them, but you, but you tap into that little emotional thread, and they'll be like, Wait, we have to do this. It's like undeniable. I always try to be undeniable to the audience where they just they can't put me down. They can't uh, well, they can put me down verbally, but they can't uh, they can't put it away. Um, they, they're they're scared that they'll give the book or the screenplay to someone else, and they'll be like, eh, we didn't get it. That's what I have in my mind, which is highly delusional, and nobody probably thinks of me that much at all. Any other questions? She has uh, relationships with 
long-standing relationships with uh, editors at the big publishers and middle-sized publishers. Print only print. That's for novels. Yeah. Um, and uh, who knows? She's at CAA, so she might try to package it, or she might not even take the book. So it's. Uh, Did you ever want to write that into make it a screenplay also? So um, this actually, what I the novel I just wrote started as a screenplay, and then I realized it was a novel. Um, and I don't know why I realized it's a novel, but when the intuition's pushing me, I kind of get a little voodoo about it and go, okay, it's a novel, and I let it be a novel. And then it's, it kind of shows itself. And then it showed itself in a monumental way of how I needed to write this book and actually what I was trying to say. And I didn't realize that until the last two, two or three months. I was like, oh my God, I was trying to say that. But I thought I was writing a raunchy comedy, and I wasn't. It was, it was a love story, but about a guy that's like kind of really upset about family. And I'm kind of upset about family for the last year because I've had a lot of family stuff go down. So it was almost therapeutic in a way. What's the difference between a screenplay and a novel? Uh, screenplay, well, in the screenplay, you're writing very concise dialogue and very concise action. And a screenplay is going to hire like hundreds of people to create what you've done. And a director is going to come in and also create their vision. And an editor is going to come in and create their vision. A novel, you stand alone by, you've written the prose, you've gone over and over and over it, you've squeezed everything out you can, um, and that's just yours. So. And also, a screenplay, it's more discernible conflict and external yeah. action. You, you, you couldn't make a good screenplay out of remembrance of things past or... Yeah. Well, I'm reading that right now. Sorry? I'm reading that right now. Oh. <laughs> I'm on block. I'm on <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, right, exactly. And uh, there's, a, there's a meditation that can happen when you're, when you're reading a novel compared to when, when a screenplay just got to be boom, 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 boom. And a novel can just be like floaty. You could be Newt Overwrite. What's his name? Carl Newt Overwrite. Newscar. Carl Nouse. Yeah, Newscar, who wrote like eight volumes of his struggle, which was my struggle, and I tried to read volume one, and I was like, I'm done with struggle. How, how do you um, keep the voice of your character? How do you, like, do you have to, re do you, is there some kind of, you know, trans-hypnotic thing? How do you? That's a good question, and that's where the writing every day comes in. And that's where you still lose the voice, even when you've been working on it for a year. You lose the voice, and you go through it, and you're like, blew that, tonally that doesn't work. But it's, it's just when you just gotta keep hitting it. It's, a, um, it's kind of a craft of just solving problems. And the problems that we're solving are problems that we made. So we need to make huge problems in our first draft. First draft is just, a vomit launch of problems. And then you go, okay, now I can start trying to fix this. And then you start to massage it, massage it, massage it. Um, I, I go through that all the time where I'm just like, it's out of tone, it's out of tone. I had this great sex scene at the end that was so hilarious and so raunchy on this novel. And I was just like, oh my God, this is, the people are gonna be so offended by this. I can't wait. And as I was going through the last rewrite, I'm like, it's not in the tone of the book. It's upstaging the end. It's upstaging the character. And I had to pull so far back. And it, it, like part of it broke my heart, but part of me is like, no, this is how we have to get to the end. So it, we're, it, that's always coming back. It's just, it, it becomes clearer and clearer and clearer and clearer day after day after day after day. And then it goes away and it becomes clearer and it goes away. But these people become real people to you when you do dive in like that hard and spend that much time. Thanks for the love, Isla. What's upstaging the character? Um, if you like, let's just say, um, let's just say someone came up here and started tap dancing and doing Fred Astaire as I'm trying to talk, that would be upstaging me. Because everyone would be like this. Wait, that's more interesting. So when we uh, when we upstage ourselves in our books, we don't want people to go. Oh my God, I want to, where does that story go? 
Because if they're on page 175 and they're interested in what may happen over here, then we're doing it wrong. Because they've got to be interested in how our character is going to get to the end. That's when we know, we got to know what does our character want. And that's what everything starts with, screenplay or novel. What does our character want? Our character has to want something that means everything to them. It doesn't have to be big. I brought this movie up a lot recently. Has anyone seen French Kiss with Meg Ryan? It's my favorite Meg Ryan film ever. I don't like a lot of her films, but French Kiss just rocks. And, um, and her goal in that movie, the first act, she just wants a family. She wants a family. I forget who the fiance is in the movie. Do you remember his name? Yeah. The whole first act is she's scared of flying. The fiance has to go to France to do uh, some business. And she's creating their house. And she's getting ready to just settle down and have kids with them. And she gets a phone call about 12 minutes into the movie for the exciting incident. And he's like, I'm really sorry. I met someone crushes her whole life. And what does she want? All she wants is family. So what does she do? She overcomes her fear. And this is plot. So she wants family, which is her big goal. And, but she can't get on a plane. And her fiance is in France. And she needs to go to Paris to tell the fiance, hey, I'm the girl. Get that chick out of here. Because we've got a family going on here. And so then she overcomes that by getting on the plane. But she's almost losing her mind at the same time. And that, at that point, we're in Act 2. So she overcomes that fear. But she overcomes it because she wants family more than she wants that fear. But more than that fear is holding her back. So then we see her with strength. And then she gets to Paris. Everything just keeps getting worse and worse and worse. And it's just like, this is all plot. Because this, this is just what you got to do with your character. you got to beat them up. Um, the character is put into a situation. Oh, crap. What are they going to do? And how they work around that situation is plot. And how they work around that situation builds character. Because we're like, oh wait, they did that and just got stronger and learned something. Since they learned that thing, when that next obstacle comes up, we're like, oh my god, you're not going to get through that. Well, you did that other thing, and that was but you're not getting through this one. And that's essentially the progression of a film, progression of novels. It's just like, just keep beating them up. There's a saying of the three-act structure. First act is you put your, you make your character climb a tree. Second act, you throw rocks at them. Third act, you try to get them down gracefully. And that's kind of all storytelling. Thank you, Aaron. I looked it up. The fiance is Timothy Hutton. Timothy Hutton, that's right. Oh, he's so great. And that is the fiance. Yeah. And uh, she ate cheese. That was, that was the thing that was one of her obstacles. She had to She's on a plane and she ate cheese. And cheese. Oh my God, that's right. Yeah, she's lactose intolerant. She's off the plane. They're trying to. Yeah, the, exactly. That was a great obstacle. She's like, oh my God, the cheese in France is so great. As they're trying to get to her fiance so she can win him back in the south of France. And she's eating all this cheese. And then she's at the next stop and she's just like this lactose intolerant. So, and that's wonderful conflict. Sorry about your water bottle. That's wonderful conflict because. How are we going to get her to her fiancés now? Because now we're on a clock. And, the, and, if, he, and if she doesn't get to him in time, she might fall deep, he might fall deeper in love with this person. He needs, she needs to get there, look him in the eyes, so he knows that she's the one and they need to be together. Or, as the movie shows, she wants family. And maybe she picked the wrong person. And then that's a whole nother, that's the third act. That's the third act showdown is. Well, you're not going to tell me anything. <laughs> <laughs> we spoil it. Oh, you do you want to see it? Okay, I'll see it. i got to watch that again, too. What's I haven't seen it in years. French Kiss. It's probably like 1995. Yeah, that's exactly what it was. That was really? Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> Thank you. I'm out. <laughs> um, Did you look it up? <laughs> yeah, so. Put our characters through hell. And it's not easy. It's not easy to do that because in, in life, we avoid conflict. We always avoid conflict. Even if we say, I don't avoid conflict, you avoid conflict. When someone cuts you off in traffic, what would you like to do? You'd like to get out because they've threatened your life. They've threatened everyone else's life. You want to go beat the shit out of them, kick them on the ground, 
But you don't do that because you're avoiding conflict. Because that would be bad socially, and people might get you know weirded out by you. That's the guy that goes around beating people up. I was not the guy with the uh, who was that guy in the news with the crowbar? And his Tesla. <laughs> they finally caught him. What's that? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, he's just like, I'm just, <laughs> I saw this guy with a crowbar coming at me, like, do I run him over? What do I do? Is he attacking people? Yeah. On yeah. the freeway. Yeah, on the freeway. He just like slams some of his brakes in the fast lane, he just rips out his crowbar. <laughs> that guy is not avoiding conflict. <laughs> but he's also probably not a writer. If he was a writer, he'd be a great writer because he leans into it. Because that's what we need to do to our characters. We need to lean into it. Yeah. How come um, stories like, say, like the Linklater stories, like the Before Trilogy, mm -hmm. like Slacker, how come those movies are compelling? Because I, I love those movies so yes, much. Yes, me too. How come those are compelling even though there's not a lot of conflict? Well, and Slacker, Slacker's a one-off. The slacker is not a lot of conflict, and we're following like 50 different characters through the whole thing. So that, and I don't see that many movies like that now. I think that was a very 90s approach. The Before Sunrise trilogy, that actually has conflict. There's, there's, there's high stakes, and I'm glad you brought that up, because it doesn't, not everything has to be absolute violence. The want just has to be high stakes. Ethan Hawke, goes to Julie Delby, and he gets the balls after they've been talking, and they've been talking, and he's just like, and she's like, I'm going to Paris, and he goes, get off the train with me. Let's just hang out, get off the train with me. So for him to do that made him vulnerable and put him in a, in a spot of rejection. So there are stakes there. And then she's just like, I just met you. Who are you? Stupid American guy. You know, Julie Delby and her beauty. And, um, and then she gets vulnerable herself and goes, you know what? I am getting off this train with you. I want to spend some time with you. So in all those, and especially like the third one, there's a lot of conflict because they've been married for a while and they have a kid. It's, it's the marriage going to stay together. So romantic comedies actually are high stakes conflict usually. Um, but something like Slacker, I just, I don't know any other movies that really compare to that right now. There was another movie that came out around that time, and I don't know if it was before or after Slacker, called $20. And it was just about, the whole movie was about a $20 bill. So the guy would like pay for something, and the person who accepted the payment, camera followed them. So the camera just followed the $20 bill and kind of looked at the lives of all these different people, just like Slacker. Whether they come in and someone meets someone, and then they're like, oh, we'll follow them. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. So, so the, so I guess the kind of drilling into that, the, I understand, I guess, like, upfront, like, the setup, the kind of inciting incident, the, the intrigue and the characters being, like, vulnerable. But, like, as a, as a viewer, because um, I'm kind of, work, I'm working on something now that is kind of, like, the meandering type. And I don't want it to, work, so I'm studying these films. Um, how come as an audience member you want to, to keep following these characters? Because they, there's no, and there's a lot of movies and stories like this, where they don't have like a goal, a stated goal that they're going towards. But I guess maybe something like that, it's, it's like the question is, will they end up together? And you're trying that to- That is the question, do they end Yeah. There is a question in front of that's a great way to put it. There's a question that we want to answer. And they fuck in a cemetery. <laughs> and it's just like, and after that, it's just like, great, that's been fulfilled. Now what are they going to do that now that they can't be together anymore? Mm -hmm. So, but I love meandering movies. I love Scandinavian film. I love reading Scandinavian authors, not uh, Newsguard, but other authors. Dag Solstag, um, he's one of my favorites, and he goes nowhere. He goes nowhere for 150 pages. The plot is so thin, but he's got a voice. Now, is, is he being adapted to scripts? I don't know. Um, I know a man called Ove, 
was, is another Scandinavian film, which I haven't seen. And I think they even redid it with Tom Hanks in America, which I'm sure is just way better than the original. Um, but yeah, meandering is great. Write for yourself. Write what you want to see. Write what you want to read. Write what's in your heart. If the market is not accepting it right now, screw the market. Write the next thing when you're done. And keep putting it out there because that's you and that's your core. And that's a lot of fun. And I love Slacker. And I love Before Sunrise. And I just, those are beautiful, slow films. And it's gorgeous. But the stakes are still there in the screenplay. Uh, Slacker, though, that's an anomaly as well as $20. And $20 was terrible and never made it too far past uh, that it's a little indie, 1993 indie. You know, I really hope nobody worked on $20 here in this room. Is that <laughs> the one where at the end the guy takes it to the bank and it's like all crumbled and stuff and they I, got a new 20? I don't even remember, but that would be a great ending. <laughs> I think that's that. Think that is a good ending. Because what's going to happen to the $20 bill? That is the question. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Anyway. Other question? And like a, I guess a technical, more specific question. Um, yeah. My wife, yeah, she drove here from Massachusetts in like 96, and I'll teach her kid to be a writer, and she's written on like entertainment, TV shows, and stuff. Uh, she used to be rep at CAA, but they didn't make nothing for her. So she's yeah. trying to get, she just finished a book, trying to get it published. So publishing is a big thing now. But uh, like, uh, every single like writing program or publisher or whomever, they always have like the same question. Uh, it's like, uh, why does this story need to be told now? And like, why are you the best person to tell this story? Right. And I don't know if you have like any advice. Like, what's a good answer for those questions? And, and those questions are important because the, the I think the good question is why is why is it that you need to tell this story? And I think that as the author, you should have an answer for that. This story, what this story means to me, the answer they want to hear is this story means to me blank, 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 because I give a shit about this theme. I give a shit about that theme. This is what I've been through in my life. And that was, and that, you know, even though this isn't a tragedy, that was a tragedy I had, and that seeps into there. So they're, they're looking for your personal connection okay. to the story. Um, what was the other question? Uh, why does this need to be, like, you're talking about the climate, like, why does story you need to be told now. Right, and that's a question that's like, like don't you apply to your now. goal? And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. you go over to your company and buy a house? house. Like, like, what answer do you want? Like, what's the formula for those questions? Like, right, I don't know. I, I don't have an answer to that question. Mm -hmm. I go, do you have a marketing department? That's my question. I'm like, I'm the guy that wrote it. Do you have a marketing department? <laughs> yeah. I can talk to them. I can see where they're at. I don't know what the market wants now. And the market's finicky, and the market changes all the time. And it's just a lot of people who pretend they know. And some of them really know. They take great guesses. Like William Goldberg says, that nobody knows anything in Hollywood, but they have a lot of good guessers, because these people have just been around it. I don't know if I said that right or not. But it's kind of, that's kind of cool. So, yeah, it's. Um, it's when you, and this is, and, th and that's why you do the daily writing, and you work, you just work really hard on your book, and you go, oh my God, I squeezed every bit of life out of me for that. And then you're the ultimate authority of your book. I always call my students, I, I tell them, you are the God of your story. You are the God. You need to be the God. When they ask you a question, you need to know the very nuances of what would and could happen if character Sebastian walked into this situation character Sebastian walked into that situation. You have, you're the one. You're the only one that they can look on. So I'm editing a book that I'm collaborating on with a friend of mine. Uh, it's about like Tahunga and the drug scene and alcohol and demonic possession. And oh, so crazy. It's dark comedy, it's fun. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's like, it's it's hard collaborating. It's like the battle and the clash of the gods. Yeah. Like we're both the gods of the story and he has his vision and I have yeah. mine. But the, that, that creative conflict there yeah. sometimes is like, iron, what do they call it in the Bible? Iron sharpens iron. Yeah. So it's good to be at odds with each other and stand up to each it's, other. It's and then, where I thought it would be, but it's awesome. It's really yeah. Good. 
And then you really have to sit there and go, look, this is my idea, this is why we have to do it, and you have to present yourself and go, this is why we have to do this. And you have to make a case to him. Yeah. And he's got to make a case to you. And that is great because that's setting you guys up to make a case to the world. Yeah. And even after a book is published, you've got to make a case to the world to pick it up off a shelf. Yeah. It's just, it never ends.
a writer lecture from Los Angeles Public Library two months ago by me. Hi, my name is Tony Duchesne. Next week on the show, we have the return of the wonderful Robert Dugani chatting his new book, Her Deadly Game. New Yorker friends, I'm in New York City in April, and I'm always up for a cup of coffee or a drink with local writers and other heathen types. So reach out to me. Say hi. I'll mostly be bumming around, doing rewrites in between a few things I need to do and syncing up with other friends I haven't seen since pre-COVID days. But my days are free. I hope you enjoyed my lecture. I'm going to put together uh, something on my website that will be a weekly lecture thing and weekly prompts. So stay tuned for that and have a great week.